book nine part two of laws by plato translated by benjamin jowett this librivox recording is in the public domain book nine part two athenian let us proceed if any one slays a free man with his own hand and the deed be done in a moment of anger and without premeditation let the offender suffer in other respects as the involuntary homicide would have suffered and also undergo an exile of two years that he may learn to school his passions but he who slays another from passion yet with premeditation shall in other respects suffer as the former and to this shall be added an exile of three instead of two years his punishment is to be longer because his passion is greater the manner of their return shall be on this wise and here the law has difficulty in determining exactly for in some cases the murderer who is judged by the law to be the worse may really be the less cruel and he who is judged the less cruel may be really the worse and may have executed the murder in a more savage manner whereas the other may have been gentler but in general the degrees of guilt will be such as we have described them of all these things the guardians of the law must take cognizance when a homicide of either kind has completed his term of exile the guardians shall send twelve judges to the borders of the land these during the interval shall have informed themselves of the actions of the criminals and they shall judge respecting their pardon and reception and the homicides shall abide by their judgment but if after they have returned home any one of them in a moment of anger repeats the deed let him be an exile and return no more or if he returns let him suffer as the stranger was to suffer in a similar case he who kills his own slave shall undergo a purification but if he kills the slave of another in anger he shall pay twice the amount of the loss to his owner and if any homicide is disobedient to the law and without purification pollutes the agora or the games or the temples he who pleases may bring to trial the next of kin to the dead man for permitting him and the murderer with him and may compel the one to exact and the other to suffer a double amount of fines and purifications and the accuser shall himself receive the fine in accordance with the law if a slave in a fit of passion kills his master the kindred of the deceased man may do with the murderer provided only they do not spare his life whatever they please and they will be pure or if he kills a free man who is not his master the owner shall give up the slave to the relatives of the deceased and they shall be under an obligation to put him to death but this may be done in any manner which they please and if which is a rare occurrence but does sometimes happen a father or a mother in a moment of passion slays a son or daughter by blows or some other violence the slayer shall undergo the same purification as in other cases and be exiled during three years but when the exile returns the wife shall separate from the husband and the husband from the wife and they shall never afterwards beget children together or live under the same roof or partake of the same sacred rites with those whom they have deprived of a child or of a brother and he who is impious and disobedient in such a case shall be brought to trial for impiety by any one who pleases if in a fit of anger a husband kills his wedded wife 
or the wife her husband the slayer shall undergo the same purification and the term of exile shall be three years and when he who has committed any such crime returns let him have no communication in sacred rites with his children neither let him sit at the same table with them and the father or son who disobeys shall be liable to be brought to trial for impiety by any one who pleases if a brother or a sister in a fit of passion kills a brother or a sister they shall undergo purification and exile as was the case with parents who killed their offspring they shall not come under the same roof or share in the sacred rites of those whom they have deprived of their brethren or of their children and he who is disobedient shall be justly liable to the law concerning impiety which relates to these matters if any one is so violent in his passion against his parents that in the madness of his anger he dares to kill one of them if the murdered person before dying freely forgives the murderer let him undergo the purification which is assigned to those who have been guilty of involuntary homicide and do as they do and he shall be pure but if he be not acquitted the perpetrator of such a deed shall be amenable to many laws he shall be amenable to the extreme punishments for assault and impiety and robbing of temples for he has robbed his parent of life and if a man could be slain more than once most justly would he who in a fit of passion has slain father or mother undergo many deaths how can he whom alone of all men even in defence of his life and when about to suffer death at the hands of his parents no law will allow to kill his father or his mother who are the authors of his being and whom the legislator will command to endure any extremity rather than do this how can he i say lawfully receive any other punishment let death then be the appointed punishment of him who in a fit of passion slays his father or his mother but if a brother kills brother in a civil broil or under other like circumstances if the other has begun and he only defends himself let him be free from guilt as he would be if he had slain an enemy and the same rule will apply if a citizen kill a citizen or a stranger a stranger or if a stranger kill a citizen or a citizen a stranger in self-defence let him be free from guilt in like manner and so in the case of a slave who has killed a slave but if a slave have killed a free man in self-defence let him be subject to the same law as he who has killed a father and let the law about the remission of penalties in the case of parricide apply equally to every other remission whenever any sufferer of his own accord remits the guilt of homicide to another under the idea that his act was involuntary let the perpetrator of the deed undergo a purification and remain in exile for a year according to law enough has been said of murders violent and involuntary and committed in passion we have now to speak of voluntary crimes done with injustice of every kind and with premeditation through the influence of pleasures and desires and jealousies cleinias very good athenian let us first speak as far as we are able of their various kinds the greatest cause of them is lust which gets the mastery of the soul maddened by desire and this is most commonly found to exist where the passion reigns which is strongest and most prevalent among the mass of mankind i mean where the power of wealth breeds endless desires of never to be satisfied acquisition originating in natural disposition and a miserable want of education 
of this want of education the false praise of wealth which is bruited about both among hellenes and barbarians is the cause they deem that to be the first of goods which in reality is only the third and in this way they wrong both posterity and themselves for nothing can be nobler and better than that the truth about wealth should be spoken in all states namely that riches are for the sake of the body as the body is for the sake of the soul they are good and wealth is intended by nature to be for the sake of them and is therefore inferior to them both and third in order of excellence this argument teaches us that he who would be happy ought not to seek to be rich or rather he should seek to be rich justly and temperately and then there would be no murders in states requiring to be purged away by other murders but now as i said at first avarice is the chiefest cause and source of the worst trials for voluntary homicide a second cause is ambition this creates jealousies which are troublesome companions above all to the jealous man himself and in a less degree to the chiefs of the state and a third cause is cowardly and unjust fear which has been the occasion of many murders when a man is doing or has done something which he desires that no one should know him to be doing or to have done he will take the life of those who are likely to inform of such things if he have no other means of getting rid of them let this be said as a prelude concerning crimes of violence in general and i must not omit to mention a tradition which is firmly believed by many and has been received by them from those who are learned in the mysteries they say that such deeds will be punished in the world below and also that when the perpetrators return to this world they will pay the natural penalty which is due to the sufferer and end their lives in like manner by the hand of another if he who is about to commit murder believes this and is made by the mere prelude to dread such a penalty there is no need to proceed with the proclamation of the law but if he will not listen let the following law be declared and registered against him whoever shall wrongfully and of design slay with his own hand any of his kinsmen shall in the first place be deprived of legal privileges and he shall not pollute the temples or the agora or the harbours or any other place of meeting whether he is forbidden of men or not for the law which represents the whole state forbids him and always is and will be in the attitude of forbidding him and if a cousin or nearer relative of the deceased whether on the male or female side does not prosecute the homicide when he ought and have him proclaimed an outlaw he shall in the first place be involved in the pollution and incur the hatred of the gods even as the curse of the law stirs up the voices of men against him and in the second place he shall be liable to be prosecuted by any one who is willing to inflict retribution on behalf of the dead and he who would avenge a murder shall observe all the precautionary ceremonies of levation and any others which the god commands in cases of this kind let him have proclamation made and then go forth and compel the perpetrator to suffer the execution of justice according to the law now the legislator may easily show that these things must be accomplished by prayers and sacrifices to certain gods who are concerned with the prevention of murders in states but who these gods are and what should be the true manner of instituting such trials with due regard to religion the guardians of the law aided by the interpreters and the prophets and the god shall determine and when they have determined let them carry on the prosecution at law the cause shall have the same judges who are appointed 
to decide in the case of those who plunder temples let him who is convicted be punished with death and let him not be buried in the country of the murdered man for this would be shameless as well as impious but if he fly and will not stand his trial let him fly for ever or if he set foot anywhere on any part of the murdered man's country let any relation of the deceased or any other citizen who may first happen to meet with him kill him with impunity or bind and deliver him to those among the judges of the case who are magistrates that they may put him to death and let the prosecutor demand surety of him whom he prosecutes three sureties sufficient in the opinion of the magistrates who try the cause shall be provided by him and they shall undertake to produce him at the trial but if he be unwilling or unable to provide sureties then the magistrate shall take him and keep him in bonds and produce him at the day of trial if a man do not commit a murder with his own hand but contrives the death of another and is the author of the deed in intention and design and he continues to dwell in the city having his soul not pure of the guilt of murder let him be tried in the same way except in what relates to the sureties and also if he be found guilty his body after execution may have burial in his native land but in all other respects his case shall be as the former and whether a stranger shall kill a citizen or a citizen a stranger or a slave a slave there shall be no difference as touching murder by one's own hand or by contrivance except in the matter of sureties and these as has been said shall be required of the actual murderer only and he who brings the accusation shall bind them over at the time if a slave be convicted of slaying a free man voluntarily either by his own hand or by contrivance let the public executioner take him in the direction of the sepulchre to a place whence he can see the tomb of the dead man and inflict upon him as many stripes as the person who caught him orders and if he survive let him put him to death and if any one kills a slave who has done no wrong because he is afraid that he may inform of some base and evil deeds of his own or for any similar reason in such a case let him pay the penalty of murder as he would have done if he had slain a citizen there are things about which it is terrible and unpleasant to legislate but impossible not to legislate if for example there should be murders of kinsmen either perpetrated by the hands of kinsmen or by their contrivance voluntary and purely malicious which most often happen in ill-regulated and ill-educated states and may perhaps occur even in a country where a man would not expect to find them we must repeat once more the tale which we narrated a little while ago in the hope that he who hears us will be the more disposed to abstain voluntarily on these grounds from murders which are utterly abominable for the myth or saying or whatever we ought to call it has been plainly set forth by priests of old they have pronounced that the justice which guards and avenges the blood of kindred follows the law of retaliation and ordains that he who has done any murderous act should of necessity suffer that which he has done he who has slain a father shall himself be slain at some time or other by his children if a mother he shall of necessity take a woman's nature and lose his life at the hands of his offspring in after ages for where the blood of a family has been polluted there is no other purification nor can the pollution be washed out until the homicidal soul which did the deed has given life for life and has propitiated and laid to sleep the wrath of the whole family these are the retributions of heaven 
and by such punishments men should be deterred but if they are not deterred and any one should be incited by some fatality to deprive his father or mother or brethren or children of life voluntarily and of purpose for him the earthly lawgiver legislates as follows there shall be the same proclamations about outlawry and there shall be the same sureties which have been enacted in the former cases but in his case if he be convicted the servants of the judges and the magistrates shall slay him at an appointed place without the city where three ways meet and there expose his body naked and each of the magistrates on behalf of the whole city shall take a stone and cast it upon the head of the dead man and so deliver the city from pollution after that they shall bear him to the borders of the land and cast him forth unburied according to law and what shall he suffer who slays him who of all men as they say is his own best friend i mean the suicide who deprives himself by violence of his appointed share of life not because the law of the state requires him nor yet under the compulsion of some painful and inevitable misfortune which has come upon him nor because he has had to suffer from irremediable and intolerable shame but who from sloth or want of manliness imposes upon himself an unjust penalty for him what ceremonies there are to be of purification and burial god knows and about these the next of kin should inquire of the interpreters and of the laws thereto relating and do according to their injunctions they who meet their death in this way shall be buried alone and none shall be laid by their side they shall be buried ingloriously in the borders of the twelve portions of the land in such places as are uncultivated and nameless and no column or inscription shall mark the place of their interment and if a beast of burden or other animal cause the death of any one except in the case of anything of that kind happening to a competitor in the public contests the kinsmen of the deceased shall prosecute the slayer for murder and the wardens of the country such and so many as the kinsmen appoint shall try the cause and let the beast when condemned be slain by them and let them cast it beyond the borders and if any lifeless thing deprive a man of life except in the case of a thunderbolt or other fatal dart sent from the gods whether a man is killed by lifeless objects falling upon him or by his falling upon them the nearest of kin shall appoint the nearest neighbour to be a judge and thereby acquit himself and the whole family of guilt and he shall cast forth the guilty thing beyond the border as has been said about the animals if a man is found dead and his murderer be unknown and after a diligent search cannot be detected there shall be the same proclamation as in the previous cases and the same interdict on the murderer and having proceeded against him they shall proclaim in the agora by a herald that he who has slain such and such a person and has been convicted of murder shall not set his foot in the temples nor at all in the country of the murdered man and if he appears and is discovered he shall die and be cast forth unburied beyond the border let this one law then be laid down by us about murder and let cases of this sort be so regarded and now let us say in what cases and under what circumstances the murderer is rightly free from guilt if a man catch a thief coming into his house by night to steal and he take and kill him or if he slay a footpad in self-defence he shall be guiltless and any one who does violence to a free woman or a youth shall be slain with impunity by the injured person or by his or her father or brothers or sons 
if a man find his wife suffering violence he may kill the violator and be guiltless in the eye of the law or if a person kill another in warding off death from his father or mother or children or brethren or wife who are doing no wrong he shall assuredly be guiltless thus much as to the nurture and education of the living soul of man having which he can and without which if he unfortunately be without them he cannot live and also concerning the punishments which are to be inflicted for violent deaths let thus much be enacted of the nurture and education of the body we have spoken before and next in order we have to speak of deeds of violence voluntary and involuntary which men do to one another these we will now distinguish as far as we are able according to their nature and number and determine what will be the suitable penalties of each and so assign to them their proper place in the series of our enactments the poorest legislator will have no difficulty in determining that wounds and mutilations arising out of wounds should follow next in order after deaths let wounds be divided as homicides were divided into those which are involuntary and which are given in passion or from fear and those inflicted voluntarily and with premeditation concerning all this we must make some such proclamation as the following mankind must have laws and conform to them or their life would be as bad as that of the most savage beast and the reason of this is that no man's nature is able to know what is best for human society or knowing always able and willing to do what is best in the first place there is a difficulty in apprehending that the true art of politics is concerned not with private but with public good for public good binds together states the private only distracts them and that both the public and private good as well of individuals as of states is greater when the state and not the individual is first considered in the second place although a person knows in the abstract that this is true yet if he be possessed of absolute and irresponsible power he will never remain firm in his principles or persist in regarding the public good as primary in the state and the private good as secondary human nature will be always drawing him into avarice and selfishness avoiding pain and pursuing pleasure without any reason and will bring these to the front obscuring the juster and better and so working darkness in his soul will at last fill with evils both him and the whole city for if a man were born so divinely gifted that he could naturally apprehend the truth he would have no need of laws to rule over him for there is no law or order which is above knowledge nor can mind without impiety be deemed the subject or slave of any man but rather the lord of all i speak of mind true and free and in harmony with nature but then there is no such mind anywhere or at least not much and therefore we must choose law and order which are second best these look at things as they exist for the most part only and are unable to survey the whole of them and therefore i have spoken as i have and now we will determine what penalty he ought to pay or suffer who has hurt or wounded another any one may easily imagine the questions which have to be asked in all such cases what did the he wound or whom or how or when for there are innumerable particulars of this sort which greatly vary from one another and to allow courts of law to determine all these things or not to determine any of them is alike impossible there is one particular which they must determine in all cases the question of fact and then again that the legislator should not permit them to determine what punishment is to be inflicted 
in any of these cases but should himself decide about all of them small or great is next to impossible cleinias then what is to be the inference athenian the inference is that some things should be left to courts of law others the legislator must decide for himself cleinias and what ought the legislator to decide and what ought he to leave to the courts of law athenian i may reply that in a state in which the courts are bad and mute because the judges conceal their opinions and decide causes clandestinely or what is worse when they are disorderly and noisy as in a theatre clapping or hooting and turn this or that orator i say that then there is a very serious evil which affects the whole state unfortunate is the necessity of having to legislate for such courts but where the necessity exists the legislator should only allow them to ordain the penalties for the smallest offences if the state for which he is legislating be of this character he must take most matters into his own hands and speak distinctly but when a state has good courts and the judges are well trained and scrupulously tested the determination of the penalties or punishments shall be inflicted on the guilty may fairly and with advantage be left to them and we are not to be blamed for not legislating concerning all that large class of matters which judges far worse educated than ours would be able to determine assigning to each offence what is due both to the perpetrator and to the sufferer we believe those for whom we are legislating to be best able to judge and therefore to them the greater part may be left at the same time as i have often said we should exhibit to the judges as we have done the outline and form of the punishments to be inflicted and then they will not transgress the just rule that was an excellent practice which we observed before and which now that we are resuming the work of legislation may with advantage be repeated by us let the enactment about wounding be in the following terms if any one has a purpose and intention to slay another who is not his enemy and whom the law does not permit him to slay and he wounds him but is unable to kill him he who had the intent and has wounded him is not to be pitied he deserves no consideration but should be regarded as a murderer and be tried for murder still having respect to the fortune which has in a manner favoured him and to the providence which in pity to him and to the wounded man save the one from a fatal blow and the other from an accused fate and calamity as a thank-offering to this deity and in order not to oppose his will in such a case the law will remit the punishment of death and only compel the offender to emigrate to a neighbouring city for the rest of his life where he shall remain in the enjoyment of all his possessions but if he have injured the wounded man he shall make such compensation for the injury as the court deciding the cause shall assess and the same judges shall decide who would have decided if the man had died of his wounds and if a child intentionally wound his parents or a servant his master death shall be the penalty and if a brother or a sister intentionally wound a brother or a sister and is found guilty death shall be the penalty and if a husband wound a wife or a wife a husband with intent to kill let him or her undergo perpetual exile if they have sons or daughters who are still young the guardians shall take care of their property and have charge of the children as orphans if their sons are grown up they shall be under no obligation to support the exiled parent but they shall possess the property themselves and if he who meets with such a misfortune has no children the kindred of the exiled man to the degree of sons of cousins both on the male and female side 
shall meet together and after taking counsel with the guardians of the law and the priests shall appoint a five thousand fortieth citizen to be the heir of the house considering and reasoning that no house of all the five thousand forty belongs to the inhabitant or to the whole family but is the public and private property of the state now the state should seek to have its houses as holy and happy as possible and if any one of the houses be unfortunate and stained with impiety and the owner leave no posterity but dies unmarried or married and childless having suffered death as the penalty of murder or some other crime committed against the gods or against his fellow-citizens of which death is the penalty distinctly laid down in the law or if any of the citizens be in perpetual exile and also childless that house shall first of all be purified and undergo expiation according to law and then let the kinsmen of the house as we were just now saying and the guardians of the law meet and consider what family there is in the state which is of the highest repute for virtue and also for good fortune in which there are a number of sons from that family let them take one and introduce him to the father and forefathers of the dead man as their son and for the sake of the omen let him be called so that he may be the continuer of their family the keeper of their hearth and the minister of their sacred rites with better fortune than his father had and when they have made this supplication they shall make him heir according to law and the offending person they shall leave nameless and childless and portionless when calamities such as these overtake him now the boundaries of some things do not touch one another but there is a borderland which comes in between preventing them from touching and we were saying that actions done from passion are of this nature and come in between the voluntary and involuntary if a person be convicted of having inflicted wounds in a passion in the first place he shall pay twice the amount of the injury if the wound be curable or if incurable four times the amount of the injury or if the wound be curable and at the same time cause great and notable disgrace to the wounded person he shall pay fourfold and whenever any one in wounding another injures not only the sufferer but also the city and makes him incapable of defending his country against the enemy he besides the other penalties shall pay a penalty for the loss which the state has incurred and the penalty shall be that in addition to his own times of service he shall serve on behalf of the disabled person and shall take his place in war or if he refuse he shall be liable to be convicted by law of refusal to serve the compensation for the injury whether to be twofold or threefold or fourfold shall be fixed by the judges who convict him and if in like manner a brother wounds a brother the parents and kindred of either sex including the children of cousins whether on the male or female side shall meet and when they have judged the cause they shall entrust the assessment of damages to the parents as is natural and if the estimate be disputed then the kinsmen on the male side shall make the estimate or if they cannot they shall commit the matter to the guardians of the law and when similar charges of wounding are brought by children against their parents those who are more than sixty years of age having children of their own not adopted shall be required to decide and if any one is convicted they shall determine whether he or she ought to die or suffer some other punishment either greater than death or at any rate not much less a kinsman of the offender shall not be allowed to judge the cause not even if he be of the age which is prescribed by the law if a slave in a fit of anger wound a free man the owner of the slave shall give him up to the wounded man who may do as he pleases with him 
and if he do not give him up he shall himself make good the injury and if any one says that the slave and the wounded man are conspiring together let him argue the point and if he is cast he shall pay for the wrong three times over but if he gains his case the free man who conspired with the slave shall be liable to inaction for kidnapping and if any one unintentionally wounds another he shall simply pay for the harm for no legislator is able to control chance in such a case the judges shall be the same as those who are appointed in the case of children suing their parents and they shall estimate the amount of the injury all the preceding injuries and every kind of assault are deeds of violence and every man woman or child ought to consider that the elder has the precedence of the younger in honour both among the gods and also among men who would live in security and happiness wherefore it is a foul thing and hateful to the gods to see an elder man assaulted by a younger in the city and it is reasonable that a young man when struck by an elder should lightly endure his anger laying up in store for himself a like honour when he is old let this be the law every one shall reverence his elder in word and deed he shall respect any one who is twenty years older than himself whether male or female regarding him or her as his father or mother and he shall abstain from laying hands on any one who is of an age to have been his father or mother out of reverence to the gods who preside over birth similarly he shall keep his hands from a stranger whether he be an old inhabitant or newly arrived he shall not venture to correct such an one by blows either as the aggressor or in self-defence if he thinks that some stranger has struck him out of wantonness or insolence and ought to be punished he shall take him to the wardens of the city but let him not strike him that the stranger may be kept far away from the possibility of lifting up his hand against a citizen and let the wardens of the city take the offender and examine him not forgetting their duty to the god of strangers and in case the stranger appears to have struck the citizen unjustly let them inflict upon him as many blows with the scourge as he was himself inflicted and quell his presumption but if he be innocent they shall threaten and rebuke the man who arrested him and let them both go if a person strikes another of the same age or somewhat older than himself who has no children whether he be an old man who strikes an old man or a young man who strikes a young man let the person struck defend himself in the natural way without a weapon and with his hands only he who being more than forty years of age dares to fight with another whether he be the aggressor or in self-defence shall be regarded as rude and ill-mannered and slavish this will be a disgraceful punishment and therefore suitable to him the obedient nature will readily yield to such exhortations but the disobedient who heeds not the prelude shall have the law ready for him if any man smite another who is older than himself either by twenty or by more years in the first place he who is at hand not being younger than the combatants nor their equal in age shall separate them or be disgraced according to law but if he be the equal in age of the person who is struck or younger he shall defend the person injured as he would a brother or father or still older relative further let him who dares to smite an elder be tried for assault as i have said and if he be found guilty let him be imprisoned for a period of not less than a year or if the judges approve of a longer period their decision shall be final but if a stranger or medic smite one who is older by twenty years or more the same law shall hold about the bystanders assisting and he who is found guilty in such a suit 
if he be a stranger but not resident shall be imprisoned during a period of two years and a medic who disobeys the law shall be imprisoned for three years unless the court assign him a longer term and let him who was present in any of these cases and did not assist according to law be punished if he be of the highest class by paying a fine of a mina or if he be of the second class of fifty drachmas or if of the third class by a fine of thirty drachmas or if he be of the fourth class by a fine of twenty drachmas and the generals and taxiarchs and phylarchs and hipparchs shall form the court in such cases laws are partly framed for the sake of good men in order to instruct them how they may live on friendly terms with one another and partly for the sake of those who refuse to be instructed whose spirit cannot be subdued or softened or hindered from plunging into evil these are the persons who cause the word to be spoken which i am about to utter for them the legislator legislates of necessity and in the hope that there may be no need of his laws he who shall dare to lay violent hands upon his father or mother or any still older relative having no fear either of the wrath of the gods above or of the punishments that are spoken of in the world below but transgresses in contempt of ancient and universal traditions as though he were too wise to believe in them requires some extreme measure of prevention now death is not the worst that can happen to men far worse are the punishments which are said to pursue them in the world below but although they are most true tales they work on such souls no prevention but if they had any effect there would be no slayers of mothers or impious hands lifted up against parents and therefore the punishments of this world which are inflicted during life ought not in such cases to fall short if possible of the terrors of the world below let our enactment then be as follows if a man dare to strike his father or his mother or their fathers or mothers he being at the time of sound mind then let any one who is at hand come to the rescue as has been already said and the medic or stranger who comes to the rescue shall be called to the first place in the games but if he do not come he shall suffer the punishment of perpetual exile he who is not a medic if he comes to the rescue shall have praise and if he do not come blame and if a slave come to the rescue let him be made free but if he do not come to the rescue let him receive one hundred strokes of the whip by order of the wardens of the agora if the occurrence take place in the agora or if somewhere in the city beyond the limits of the agora any warden of the city who is in residence shall punish him or if in the country then the commanders of the wardens of the country if those who are near at the time be inhabitants of the same place whether they be youths or men or women let them come to the rescue and denounce him as the impious one and he who does not come to the rescue shall fall under the curse of zeus the god of kindred and of ancestors according to law and if any one is found guilty of assaulting a parent let him in the first place be forever banished from the city into the country and let him abstain from the temples and if he do not abstain the wardens of the country shall punish him with blows or in any way which they please and if he return he shall be put to death and if any freeman eat or drink or have any other sort of intercourse with him or only meeting him have voluntarily touched him he shall not enter into any temple nor into the agora nor into the city until he is purified for he should consider that he has become tainted by a curse and if he disobeys the law and pollutes the city and the temples contrary to law and one of the magistrates sees him and does not indict him when he gives in his account this omission shall be a most serious charge 
if a slave strike a free man whether a stranger or a citizen let any one who is present come to the rescue or pay the penalty already mentioned and let the bystanders bind him and deliver him up to the injured person and he receiving him shall put him in chains and inflict on him as many stripes as he pleases but having punished him he must surrender him to his master according to law and not deprive him of his property let the law be as follows the slave who strikes a free man not at the command of the magistrates his owner shall receive bound from the man whom he has stricken and not release him until the slave has persuaded the man whom he has stricken that he ought to be released and let there be the same laws about women in relation to women and about men and women in relation to one another End of book nine